Sports Best, the podcast extravaganza. We are broadcasting today live and direct on Reposted Podcast Network, which I hear just signed Miley Cyrus to a new podcasting deal. Speaking of which, I need to call my agent, Pat Media and get me a new deal. He is Andrew Keller, spinning on the ones and twos. I'm Larry Olson, holding down the fort from Manitoba, Canada. Hello, Mr. Keller. Hello. One of my biggest regrets in life was I was in Argentina and Miley Cyrus was playing a concert and I couldn't rally my friends to go. I should have just gone. Seeing Miley Cyrus in Argentina would have been so sweet. I'm going to have to take that one to the grave, I suppose. Well, I feel like you went to Argentina like a decade ago. Was she like 10, five years old at that point? Uh, I think she was eight. She was just coming off of Hannah Montana. No, she was, uh, she was probably 20. I don't know how old Miley Cyrus is. She's Miley Cyrus to me is ageless. She's timeless. And she you know, has she has the scratchiest voice of a woman I've ever seen that's under 80. It's like she's, she's been smoking for 45 years. I hear she's a wrecking ball. Mm-hmm. Well, she comes in like one for sure. You know it's going to be a good reposted show when we lead with the honey bun. That's right. James Harden. Come on now. Uh, yes. Well, it's actually not great news. It's bad news for James Harden. He's been he's missed the last six games with the Nets with a hamstring problem. He's sweeter than a honey bun. Thank you. I'm gonna call a honey bun. Thank you. He's missed the last six games. He last played April 5th. He tried to try out the hamstring on a, you know like a four and four workout. Bad news. String popped again. Looks like he might miss 10 more games. As you know, they got the big three in Brooklyn. They got Kevin Durant, the honey bun, and Kyrie Irving. All have missed at least 10 games at some point in the season. I feel like this is all really good news because the NBA season is very long and all three of these guys are going to be really rested right when the playoffs happen. I mean, it's really good news if you're a Nets fan. I, I want to see them fail. So it's maybe not good news for me. It reminds me of just like the way that we look at athletes in general, especially with like football. It's like, oh, he pulled his hamstring. He, she's likely to miss uh, the next week. We'll be back the following week. And the, the speed at which these recoveries happen or, or at least get ignored is crazy. I pulled my hamstring once and I was, I was hobbled for months. So the fact that we like expect people to come back is, is kind of crazy. And how fast they actually can recover when you have a full dedicated team to that. Have you ever pulled a muscle? Um, I have pulled my groin. Oh, what were you doing? Playing football. Oh, yeah. I pulled my hamstring running the Buffaloes, my last run. Of my of my tenure at the University of Colorado, and I pulled up short on the fifty yard line, and she had to finish the run by herself. It hurt. Did they, did they bring out the stretcher? Please tell me. No, I, I rolled <laughs> off the field. I had a coach one time playing football. I uh, I screwed up my arm or my hand real bad, and I stayed down. And he came up to me. He's like, "If you can't, if you can walk off the field, you better never stay down again." So that that voice popped in my head, and I just crawled off the field from the fifty yard line. So that's something to consider. It stuck with you, like if you're walking down the hall, like walking down the hall or on the sidewalk. You're like, I gotta get up. I just fell, but I gotta get up. Yeah, you gotta get. I mean, if you can walk, you gotta you gotta clear. Um, I mean, <laughs> I guess if your leg is shattered, maybe you can just army crawl. But I don't know. There's all sorts of things. And uh, I have talking about crawling. It makes me think of Sterling Brown. So one of the Houston Sterling Brown is injured right now, and he went to a strip club with Kevin Porter Jr. in Miami. And uh, he uh, he got assaulted, which I have yet to find what the details of that means. But he got all sorts of bumps and bruises. And team officials are saying those are the kind of injuries that get worse before they get better. But uh, 
it sounds like going to a strip club in Miami is not a great, great look for the, the Houston Rockets. I, I'm wondering if they were brought to their first club by uh, first strip club by James Harden. I want some real time statistics on if you go to a strip club, what are the odds that you'll be assaulted? I think that kind of depends on your personality. I mean, they go up, but it depends on your personality. And also, the saying that nothing good happens after midnight. I don't think many people are going to strip clubs before midnight. So by the communicative property of algebra, nothing good's going to happen if you go in general. I've seen too many episodes of Ballers on HBO that I think, like, if you're a big-time NBA athlete, you're at some private section of the strip club where nobody can get to you. So how can they assault you if you got like the private booth? I just, I'm confused by this whole thing. My guess is he was out of line and one of the bouncers roughed him up wow. because you get told not to do something and he kept doing it. Um, I don't know. Or, or someone just saw a big dude and wanted to take a run at him. I, I remember when I used to go to bars more, people tried to fight me fairly often if I was the biggest guy in the room because people just, they want to take a shot. This is unsubstantiated, but I heard they went to this Miami strip club because they have the best wings in all of Florida. That's just unsubstantiated. Yeah. I like to go when they have spinach artichoke dip in the buffet. That's the only time I go. I am going to go on record and say that I would not eat spinach artichoke dip at a strip club. But that's just nice. It's a nice shell on the outside because it doesn't (laughs) very much might crack your pita chip but uh, once you break that barrier it's all flavor Ooh, i have an upset stomach now all right steph curry's game 11 game streak of scoring at least 30 points or more has ended he stunk up the gym in a loss to the wizards he missed his first seven three-point attempts he finished seven for 25 two for 14 just 18 points the last time he only scored didn't score at 30 points was march 17th it was a fun run but it had to come to end Guess what? Steph Curry is human after all. Well, yeah, I mean, if you live and die by the three, eventually it's not going to pay off. Pay off, And that's why you have so many teams that will go awesome during the season. The Houston Rockets come to mind, or the old Houston Rockets come to mind. It's like you're killing people, but then when you actually face tough opponents, they know how to defend against it. And the three-point game isn't going to carry you through the entire playoffs, you need to have something else. And right now, Curry seems to be the main uh, sauce that the Warriors have, <clears throat> and you can't live and die by the three. I was listening to a couple of guys talk, and they were, like, listing off the betting lines for the game against the Wizards. And it was like, Steph Curry's not going to make more than seven threes. And these guys are like, of course he's on fire. He's going to make more than seven threes, blah, blah, blah. Dude, I'm telling you, these betters know it's witch doctors. They they, they're witch doctors. They know exactly when – Steph Curry's going to pull the Stinkosaurus Maximus and drop the ball. And I bet they made a lot of money on Steph Curry laying an egg last night. Where were the witch doctors when uh, you had Gonzaga minus four yeah. to beat Baylor? So, I mean, that wasn't. Well, that was which maybe the witch, witch doctors uh, spent their load on all the games before when someone built up a big, huge war chest against our answer. I don't know. Also, I think UCLA in the, in the final four was like minus 14 and a half and they lost by like two. So, I mean, sometimes you got to take a swing and see what happens. Swing it! NFL owners have come to a consensus. They passed a bunch of rules. The most notable right now is they're going to allow the replay officials to become a little bit more involved in the process. Uh, Rather than giving full autonomous control, eye in the sky, and being able to get in, 
they've come to an agreement that says specific objective aspects of a play when clear and obvious video evidence is, evidence is present the on-field referees can consult the replay officials but the replay official can't flag anything they can't say you need to look at it again they just added a resource for on the field officials i don't i mean it seems like as an owner you would want it to be called correctly and they're they're for i'm sure there's a reason that's beyond my my understanding they're not going all the way with the replays i really like replay what are uh that they can review these calls. What I really don't like is how long it takes. My sons play video games all the time. They make split deck, split second decisions. They're eight and 10 years old all the time. How come it takes so damn long to look at video and make the right call? That's what pisses me off. I don't care how they do it. Just make the call quick. Don't ruin the flow of the game. Yeah, because they have so many uh, regulations in place. It makes me just think of the, the government. It's like, well, we got to have a special committee review this before we open the door. And uh, I don't know. I don't, I think, yeah, because the announcers, I'm at home. I'm like, I know the call after one, maybe two replays. And it's like, put it on the clock. You have access to more technology than I do at home. You should be able to get it right. A couple other things that they announced is they're going to do an experiment with onside kick to hopefully get more onside kicks recovered, which I don't understand, but they're saying that the receiving team can only have nine players within 25 yards of the ball. And so I guess they're upset that last season, only three of 67 onside kicks were recovered. I don't, what are they trying to do here? Do they want more onside kicks to be recovered? Why is that positive? I don't understand how they could change the rule to get more. Like, can they catch the ball? I don't understand what rule they can make. You to can't get more stack players kicks. up front anymore. You have to have more people back. It used to be you would stack oh. the line and now, but like, is the game going to be better if, if people are doing onside kicks half the time now? Like, hell yeah. We want more onside kicks. It's exciting. Well, then if that's what they want, you can't kick it deep. You have to do an onside kick. Make that just the rule. Like, I don't understand. I, I don't know. I'm very uh, pro onside kick. I'm very pro onside kick in life as well. So more onside kicks, I'm a big fan. One last rule that they changed is if you throw a pass, if you complete a pass behind the line, behind the line of scrimmage two times in a row, you lose it down, which... I don't think that happens that often, but uh, I think it's silly, and I don't like it. I like that, that the NFL is covering all their bases. Like, hey, listen, if someone does this, like, how many rules can they make just to cover their bases? <laughs> I don't know. It's silly. <laughs> okay, former Ohio State quarterback, Justin Fields, he's expected to be a top-five pick. I know this because I live in San Francisco, and they are all abuzz about who the 49ers is going to pick. He just revealed that he has epilepsy. Now, that's crazy. A major quarterback that's expected to go high in the NFL draft, revealing that he has epilepsy, according to some crazy statistics, 3.4 million people in the United States have epilepsy. He's had it his whole life. It's under control. But I find it interesting that, like, almost less than two weeks before the draft, actually less than a week before the draft, he decides to come clean and tell everybody he has epilepsy. Well, that thingy, that stat you had 3.4 million. They said it's the fourth most common neurological disorder in the U.S. I decided to look that up and I couldn't find a listing of what it is. What I came across was headaches, 
is the most common neurological disorder, which I didn't know a headache was a neurological disorder. I thought that just meant you had too much bourbon the night before. But <laughs> I mean, to me, this seems like a CYA of I need I'm disclosing this. And if something happens, you won't be able to like you can make an educated decision when you give me my contract. Right. So it's like, OK, you knew I had this. If uh, if I miss a game because I have a seizure or something, then you knew it was happening. It, it, it seems like so much money's involved with this. You, you have to disclose it. And I, I'm guessing that's why he did it. I can't think of any other reason. But why did he wait so long? Like, why now, like less than a week before the draft, would they all of a sudden be like, I got epilepsy? I mean, maybe he wanted to drum up interest. I don't know. You, yeah. I don't know if people would be less interested. Um, once you have him on the, he hooked him. And now it's like, well, I want you. So um, I'm not going to do it. <clears throat> I'm guessing the Ohio State University knew as well. I don't know. You, what I feel like you're saying is it's a Sammy Suckalong. Sammy Suckalong. What you're saying is Justin Fields might not be a good hand. <laughs> I don't know. I we don't need know. to see what the board has. And uh, yeah. Yeah. maybe maybe he's got the Pacheco nuts. I don't know. <clears throat> PGA is trying to become a little bit more innovative and progressive. I don't know if progressive is the right word, but they have come out with an impact scoring system to pay out the top 10 players in the PGA a $40 million bonus. That's not money that's coming from corporate sponsorship, but they just want to say, hey, you've made an impact on the tour and we want to reward you for that. So whoever comes up number one in their rating system will get $9 million and it scales out to the top 10 to pay out the 10 million but the the different categories that they're going to use is their popularity in google search the nielsen brand exposure rating their q rating which qanon the mvp index (laughs) and their meltwater mentions which is basically the frequency the player's name gets mentioned across media platforms i think this is interesting because i mean they're saying if tiger woods shows up half the tickets might be because of him. And if he lays an egg and doesn't make the cut, like they still sold those tickets and they want to reward players for bringing people in. By the way, just for the record, do you know what our meltwater mention score is? Yeah, it's 68. Okay. 68. I was thinking, I thought we were in the sixties. Mm-hmm. So like baseball, basketball, football, the team sports, right? People pay to enter a game because they want to see a team. Like maybe tennis is the only other sport where you pay to see just one person. So it's an interesting experiment because like in golf, right? You join a tournament, but you might actually not play in the weekend. You might not make any money, any money in air quotes. So it's an interesting idea to pay guys to play more golf. Is that what they're trying to just get the golfers to get? Yeah, maybe show up to more tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about, you said about tennis. I'm not sure. I mean, maybe for exhibition games, specific players are bringing people in, but I feel like, if you're going to Wimbledon, you don't know yeah. who's going to, you're like, you're buying that. Like you're, you're paying for that experience, at least for yeah. the grand slams. Uh, the thing that made me think on this particular thing is NCAA might want to take a look at this because they're going to have to figure out at some point, I think what pay structure they're going to pay yeah. or whatever their athletes are going to pay, get paid. And I think this type of a metric matters for student athletes because no one's showing up to see the left guard no one you know like people are showing up to see uh trevor lawrence and so I, it's got to scale whether people are going to sign off on that or not that's how i think the ncaa players should get paid well so what i hear uh is that like if you're a golfer and you got a lot of twitter followers and you're in the top 10 but you suck 
you're going to get paid. I'm trying to blank out on the guy who wears uh, Ricky Fowler, right? Hasn't had a good couple of years, right? Got a lot of Twitter followers. That means he's going to make money because he generates buzz. Uh, I mean, that's going to be one of the metrics on this. And I guess, I guess so. He, I mean, he's getting paid on his own just by getting sponsorship. Yeah. This is this, the PGA is incentivizing yeah. players, which if you're going to be in the top 10 of this, you're probably making north of 10 million a year. So it's a nice, bo- it's a, it's a nice to have, but I don't think it's going to specifically drive some like a top player to play in a mid-level tournament if they wouldn't have otherwise, I don't think. No, I think the most interesting part about this will be the equation and see how they pay that out. And if they give us the real numbers of who made what and how they came to that determination and then see if anybody else will use it. I think that'll be the most interesting part. Well, it's a subjective scoring. I mean, yeah. they, they say there's these four things, but it's convoluted enough that like they can decide who they want to pay. All I want to know is how we get our meltwater mentions to maybe maybe the 70s. If we could just get that to the 70s, I think it's a win for me. Well, let's get Ricky Fowler on to talk about his bad golf game. Oh, I like Ricky Fowler. So they're talking about having vaccination passports. Like that's a thing, like to go to a city or get on a plane, you might have to show someone your vaccination that you've been vaccinated. Mm-hmm. San Francisco Giants obviously reside in a very um, progressive, whatever you want to call it, city. They're like very tight on the whole vaccine and coronavirus thing. Supposed to Texas where anybody can go to a game. The Giants are proposing vaccination fan zones. So if you have a vaccine, you go to a special section in Giants Oracle Park where it's only you and your vaccinated friend, brothers, and sisters. Um, Is this the way we're headed towards like, hey, we're just going to have these like sections for people with that have the vaccine and don't have the vaccine, blah, blah, blah. Or San Francisco is just crazy. I mean, if you're going to try to make it work, I think that's an interesting thing to propose. But following what the state is currently saying is if you're with a group of people that are vaccinated, you're allowed to be without a mask amongst uh, one additional household. So it's not the way the state is written a law right now. You can't do that. I, I guess maybe if you're in a vaccination zone with your mask on, I'm all for like, moving moving forward in progress i'm if i get vaccinated i'm happy to show someone um but i don't know i'm still of the mindset you know what the risk is don't show up to a baseball game if you're worried about getting sick i hate to be captain practicality here um i do have my first vaccine shot they basically gave me a piece of paper with a stamp on it said i got vaccinated like how hard is it to like duplicate that piece of paper with the stamp on it to walk into a game, hey, here's my vaccine. Like, I'm not just talking about baseball games. I'm talking about everything. It's not that hard to du- duplicate this form saying you got your vaccine. These so, businesses aren't doing it because they care about your safety. They're doing it so they can't yeah. get sued for allowing yeah. people in. So, I mean, yeah. if you want, I, I mean, you're right. I agree with what you're saying. But if people are going to create fake vaccines, the business is going to be like, well, that's not on me because we're such a litigious society. It's that's where we're that's where we are it's not where we're headed that's where we are okay all right i'm, I'm not going to sue you anytime would you sit in a vac- vaccinated zone I would, well here's how I'd, I'd sit in a vaccinated zone if the cheap the tickets were cheaper i've kind of perused like giants tickets and um warriors tickets and because there's so few seats the there's tickets sick. are still really high so i buy the tickets you get the beers 
Oh, damn it. I knew you were going to say that. Very sneaky. Very sneaky. Well, Patrick Marleau of the San Jose Sharks is taking a long-deserved nap. Patrick Marleau is 41 years old, and he just played in his NHL record 1,768th game, the longest career game record in the NHL. I think you have to be this sweet spot of really good, but not too good, because if you're an elite level player or you're in the top 1% of the professionals, once your skills drop off some, you like you can't handle it, so you retire. But uh, this guy's just kind of journeyman, cranking along, not getting hurt. Good on him. Um, you know, you, I don't know what it's like. One thousand seven hundred something odd games. Like that number just seems. I don't even know what that is. But he started playing professional hockey when he, in nineteen ninety seven. So he's been playing hockey like this brutal, crazy sport since nineteen ninety seven. Like, what have I been doing since nineteen ninety seven? Doing five ten white guy stuff from Whittier stuff. I've been getting my head beat in on a on a ice rink. I think it's like really amazing. Well, it also depends on the type of player you are because he was playing in the enforcer days, and enforcers aren't really a part of the sport anymore. It's kind of like Tom Brady gets to play into his forties because he didn't play in the Troy Aikman or seventies, eighties, nineties. It's a different sport. Where I mean, we're having a very detailed discussion about something that's clearly amazing but like the sport has changed and um fighting is getting less and less and uh, i don't know that's just a really long career he's gonna have some aches and pains we cannot mention the story without saying that he broke mr hockey's record gordy howe from i believe saskatchewan canada he broke who by the way that had that record for gazillion years as well so they're both from canada something about canadians damn canadians tough Damn it. Tough. This has been Sports Best. For the record, I do not like Canadians, but I kind of like Patrick Marlowe. He's Andrew Keller. He does like Canadians. We'll see you next week. Canadian bacon.